on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 fan, Justin and Ailish. What about a long putter? Anybody use a long putter? You know, it's like, maybe that's what I need. You want to anchor your putting? It's like passing the puck into the hole. And maybe that's, I just need to switch up the entire process of putting. Wait, are you talking like Adam Scott long putter where it's anchored in the chest or the ones that look like hockey sticks? Like, ha- give me a happy Gilmore sitch. I don't think that's a long putter. We got it. Well, you know what I mean. We, give me a hockey putter. <laughs> give me a hockey stick and yeah, I'll I, do I it think, myself. I think, yeah, you might have a little bit more comfort. With Why the not try putter? it out? I mean, it can't get worse. Anyway, taking your putter suggestions in the text line because if I can get that figured out, you better watch out, Brooke Henderson, okay? That's all I got to say. John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, our Friday morning guest. How are you this morning, John? Hey, listen, Justin, I'm doing well. And I, I listened to the show yesterday while I was uh, driving, oh. actually, because of the uh, the air quality. I was driving from uh, New York back home to Michigan. So I, I got the full report about the anticipated golf outing. And I, I have not yet been able to listen to the previous segments this morning. So I'm, I, I, it sounds like... Overall, the, the golf outing happened, which is the most important part of it, right? John, I am uh, 90% at, at a pristine level, but when the putter gets in my hand, I crumble, I fall apart, mm-hmm. I want to quit golf. So I'm just, I need to fix one thing mm-hmm. here, and I'm telling you, LPGA, you could start covering it, you could follow me on tour, but I just got to dial that in. I don't know, you sound like you could be a golfer. I, I live in relatively close proximity to a golf course, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, I have not... I have not golfed an actual round in about 25 wow. years since I was in high school. <laughs> so, but here's the funny thing. Uh, this is an absolutely true story. We, we live close enough to the course that range balls will land on my yard. Mm. And, and so I, I have a, an arrangement with the, with the club pro. I say, um, basically, uh, I, I don't have enough interest in golf, nor do I really have time during the summer to do it. But what I'll do is this. I will accumulate all of these yellow range balls that land on my lawn. And one day, like it'll be a random Tuesday in September, you're going to see a guy walk across and take a bucket of uh, yellow range balls from his yard, <laughs> hit them back onto the range, and walk home. And that guy's going to be me. And that's, all, that's it. That's the one time you'll see me all year. That's Mr. Social Media John Morosi now. You better be streaming that because that'll, that'll sell. Yeah, I want to watch I that. Own, Ailish, I own a club. One, and it's, it's, like a, it's like a five iron. So I, I own one golf club, and I use it to hit the balls back onto the, onto the driving range once a year. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little old-fashioned, maybe. I, I'm not even really sure what that would be, but I'm, I'm a little unique when it comes to how I handle the golf balls land in my yard. Okay, well, we'll look forward to the random September Wednesday when you live stream yep. the range balls, okay? So I'm putting that in my calendar we'll now. Do. Okay. Well, also, thanks well, for listening I, I, to I the show. I promise you, Alice, your short game uh, is much better <laughs> than mine. I promise. And, and it's probably one... It's one adjustment away from being awesome. Let's, uh, let's hope it's the same. It's that same one adjustment that Alec Manoa will get. And, Ooh, yes. and you'll, your short game will be awesome. And he'll, he'll be back in the show. Okay, perfect segue. Because we said all week, this is the last week of Alec Manoa investigation into what can change. And, but we needed a way to talk to John Morosi because you bring A, some positivity, but obviously all the knowledge we need. So Manoa, Florida Complex League, why this is the right place for him um, and your points of confidence that he can. Um, you know, fix that short game and get out there. Right, Alish. No, it's it's a good way of putting it, and I think that it it just got to be time. I think that this is one of those moments where everybody around the situation, the Jays, Alex's teammates, I'm, I'm sure Alec himself, 
realized that there was going to have to be a, a step back that would be made to get eventually forward. And that's the idea here. I, I think a lot of people are very confident that in time he'll get back to the big leagues. But I also think that, and I heard Julia's point on the show yesterday, the fact that Alec had such little time in the minor leagues is, is, a, is a pretty important moment here. Because I, I remember hearing once from a player development um, executive that if if a process of player development results in the player getting to the big leagues without ever experiencing failure and getting through it and adapting at the minor league level, that can be an issue uh, once they actually get to the big leagues. And I, I, I want to make clear that I'm not – I'm not criticizing the Jays at all for that because, honestly, the lack of a 2020 season was something that no one could have anticipated and, and something that I think we're all still, even in player development, looking at it and, and seeing some, some residual effects of that. And this could be one of them, that, that Alec never had that, that major platform year, if you will, in, in 20 to kind of get ready for this, for this season ahead and for his major league career. And now there was not that that experience of, of failing and falling back on that and understanding how to, how to adjust at the major league level. So I, I just think that he, he's going to go down to Dunedin and get down to the very basic elements. And what I would say, and this is, this is not going to be what he wants to hear, but I'm sure this is probably what the Jays are saying, So we're going to take enough time to make sure that this thing is, is really, really buttoned down and ready to roll by the time you go back up. This is not a fly down to Dunedin, throw a couple bullpens, oh, it looks better, you're back. That, that's not the idea here. Spend, spend the time really uh, on, uh, on the field, off the field, performance, coaching, everything. And, and they're lucky that they've got that best-in-class facility there in Dunedin that I was at the pleasure of seeing this spring. I mean, it's, it, the, he's got everything that he needs down there uh, to maybe get the, the stuff a little sharper, the command a little better, and just get things in better harmony when he's on the mound. I guess I'm asking you to speculate a little bit, but do you think the worst of it is over for Manoa? Like, do you think the toughest part of all this, the demotion that we see in baseball uh, more often than not, at least with starting pitchers, like actually going down and the process of hitting rock bottom worse than any struggles that he might be enduring with uh, while he's actually trying to sort things out uh, at the Florida Complex League? Yeah, that's a really good question, Justin. I, I think that that's, that may have happened this week, and, and maybe he's still going through it as he reports to Florida and, and gets adjusted and realizes that he's not with his teammates and it's and it's the middle of the season and, and they just won a series against Houston and there's a lot of excitement there. I, I, so I, I do think for someone who has who is as competitive as he is that that managing the emotional disappointment of this is going to be one of the most important parts. But he's also a, a great competitor who I think will approach this in the right way, which is when you wake up in the morning, your opponent that day is not is not the Chicago White Sox, is not the Detroit Tigers. It's what's on the schedule from your from your coach and and to, to get things right, peel all peel back all the layers, whatever's on the agenda that day, that's your opponent. And I think it's it's going to be a matter of reframing and, and shuffling his normal mode and his normal expectations. Uh, but I, I believe wholeheartedly we're going to see him pitch for the Jays again this year. I mean, that's that is uh, when I, I think probably sometime after the All Star break is what I would say. That's the natural 
natural interval of time. But they, the Jays know this. They're, they're very thoughtful about this. They're not going to rush the process because, well, uh, if, if Bowden Francis struggles or if, if someone else comes up and doesn't have a good outing, oh, we've got to get Alec right back in here. No, you have to wait. Wait until he's really ready to go. And eventually I think you're going to be rewarded for, for that patience now. And, and no one's going to want to hear it that you've got to wait, but I, I think that's the right strategy here. Now that he's down there, you really got to spend the time Again, in conversation, on the mound, off the mound, training, everything to make sure that he's, he's ready to go when the time comes. And, and I think the good news is that, that he's got teammates who understand it. I heard what Chris Bassett said to Hazel this week about, about how he had been optioned out and Gossman had been DFA'd before. These are normal things that happen to pitchers in the major leagues. Um, and I think that Alec, once, once he kind of gets to that place and, and starts working his way back mentally and physically and mechanically, uh, I think we're going to see a much better version of him in the second half. John Morosi, MLB Network Insider on the line with us. Um, last one, Manoa-wise, for me at least, is we've seen a lot of people making Roy Holiday comparisons as soon as the Manoa situation happened. I wonder for you, like, why that isn't fully accurate as a comparison, why this situation is unique. And I know there are some similarities. Obviously, Roy Holiday was Blue Jay, got sent down. But why the situation with Alec Manoa is unique in its sense um, when we try to cross-compare these two pitchers. Yeah, that's a really, really important question, Alice, because I, I do think there are some legitimate connections and comparisons mm-hmm. there. Part of it was that Roy got to the major league so quickly, and Alec did too. Uh, I, I think that Roy, when he learned, and, and I think command was really an issue for him when he when he went down. I think that was part of it, and then he and then he really learned that that power sinker and, and sort of a, developed his his identity as a pitcher in Dunedin. I think the interesting thing for Alec is we already feel like we know what his, what his identity is as a pitcher. We saw it in the All-Star game last mm-hmm. year. We saw it on the biggest stages. And I think that, that's going to be the hard part for him to be able to say, wait a minute, I, I already know that I've had this success. I already know this this larger-than-life personality in the in the clubhouse and on the mound, and where he's challenged opposing hitters. I, I think that that to me might be the interesting part of this is that th- this is by its very nature a humbling exercise mm-hmm. to get on the plane. You're not with your teammates. You're going to be by yourself or or around the others that are at, at the complex at the time. I, I'm going to be really interested to see when he comes back if if the if if that instinct that he's got to constantly and I'm I'm smiling as I say this to challenge the other team verbally mm-hmm. emotionally demonstratively on the mound that's him and, and I think the people that know him well would say it's hard for him to separate you know challenging Garrett Cole or challenging a hitter from from now what what is a very humbling process will he be different when he comes back I think that's kind of the unknown to where. We know so much about his personality. He is so extroverted and so demonstrative, so emotional on the mound. Can you do those things, and can you be that way when you've gone through literally the most humbling exercise of your major league and really professional baseball career? Mm-hmm. And I think that, Ailish, to me, is the great unknown. And and the, the fascinating part about baseball is we're not going to know it until we see him back on a major league mound 
a month or so from now. Let's hope that that's, that that's the interval of time that it ends up being. Well, in Manoa's absence, Gossman, Brios, and Bassett uh, did did what they needed to do to help right the ship, to help right. uh, change the narrative, and give this team a lot of confidence. That three-headed monster, that rotation of those three, um, why should that give fans confidence for playoff aspirations when you think, big picture, hey, your number one guy is out of the, the equation right now, he's your ace, but these three are kind of pulling up the slack. They are, Alex, and it's an excellent point because when you look at this division – and the teams ahead of the Jays right now, I there there is not a trio of starters on very many teams in the big leagues who are better than the three names that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Baltimore has one uh, has a trio like that. I know the Yankees don't, especially not until Rodon comes back. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now about their rotation. And then Tampa obviously continues to excel and and have just a, an absolutely uh, unparalleled pitching plan. But I, my point is, when the Jays look around at the other teams competing for playoff berths, their, their top three is as good or better than everybody else's. And, and that should give them an immense amount of confidence right now. That I realize the standings don't look pretty, but in the last ten games, they've gained three games on Baltimore. Baltimore's really good. I love Baltimore's team this year. But Baltimore does not have a rotation like this. And I, I think we, we look at it and say Barrios all along was going to be the, the X factor for this team. And in April, when, when he was not in sync, you saw the, the results. And now that he is rolling, it's, it's a, an impressive group of pitchers. It really is. And, and this is where they can truly manage it. I'm sure this, this was not about – they didn't make the Manoa decision because of where Barrios was or because of where Bassett was or, or Kikuchi or, or Gossman, but they've got enough starting pitching to be able to handle a period of time without Manoa to let him get right because they've got three all-star level pitchers, in my opinion, right now, and then Kikuchi has is, is had a really, really good bounce back here. And then they'll, they'll manage the fifth spot. You might be able to skip it sometimes. You might be able to bullpen game that. You can, you can massage and finesse one spot in your rotation for a month when, you've, when you're getting the maximum production from the other spots. And that's where the Jays are right now. That, that to, me, to me, the last couple weeks have been Berrios getting, getting really good. It's really been a month or so for him. And then Belt emerging and then Kirk with some really important at-bats the last couple of days. If this, these are now the signs that you start to see when a team finds itself. The Kirk pinch it at-bat, Kirk with an RBI last night in a tight game, Belt producing runs. This, this is the team that they've been wanting to see, and it's, it's pretty cool to watch it come together at a time when there's some notable adversity with Manoa not being there. But the rest of the picture right now, if I'm a Jays fan, I'm really encouraged. John, it's probably a little unfair to ask you about Anthony Bass or to have you speculate over how tenuous this weekend may be at the ballpark. Uh, But I will ask you this. uh, How much does the Anthony Bass situation have the attention of Major League Baseball? I I think it does have the attention of Major League Baseball. And and certainly, first of all, there's there's the broader context of how much are fans aware of it. But the other part is how how the league office responds and and what i would the, the parallel that i would draw is is to the kevin pilar situation years ago 
And if you if you recall, that Shai Davidi wrote a great story about this years ago, where where there was a really important and emotional and honest conversation between Kevin Pillar and Billy Bean, who's a dear friend of mine at, at the league office. And Billy is one of the best people that we've got in the baseball world, and someone who who, as a member of the LGBTQ community himself, will will help will help a person understand the impact of what has transpired and will and will just talk them through wherever they are and that's the best part about when billy has that conversation it's not a judgmental one it's a hey let's talk about this and let's hear from you and let's see if we can arrive at a different level of understanding and billy was very complimentary of what kevin did and and his in his conversations after the incident that happened with kevin pilar years ago and i think that it's up now to, to Anthony to, to really engage in, a, in an honest way with um, with the MLB office, with Billy, with, with people in the LGBTQ community to understand the impact of what happened. And so uh, to the extent that, that it has the attention of MLB, the, the important person in my heart is is Billy and how, how Billy is, is able to, to really activate just the amazing conversations that he has. Um, he's someone that I just – I cherish a lot as a friend so i i hope that i just hope that that as the the days go forward and and there's there's further education that can happen that that anthony will open himself up to some some true conversations and and knowledge and and education really from someone who i think is the the best at what he does and just a, a great man and that's billy bean Let's pivot to a uh, league-wide story, which is Ellie De La Cruz in uh, the Cincinnati yeah. Reds. Uh, how, I mean, this looks like, you know, O'Neal Cruz all over again, but maybe even better. This guy looks like an absolute treat to watch, but suddenly there's some juice in Cincinnati. Is this real? And, yes. and uh, what's sort of the ceiling in your mind, not even for this season, but like for the future, for a guy who looks like he has every tool you could possibly fit in a box? I'm excited for their future, and it's not. To your point, it's not just De La Cruz. It's also Matt McClain. It's it's. They still have Jonathan India there. Uh, the pitching, I think, will get better. I, I want to credit Sean Pender, their player development director, for just doing an amazing job, uh, and Trey Hendricks, their, their international director, for bringing in a lot of talent because th- this is a it's a bright future. And, and I mentioned the player development and the international scouting because that is what smaller market teams have to do to be successful. You have got to either really own the draft or you've got to really own international or ideally you're going to own both to be able to compete with teams that have larger payrolls and more resources. And in this case, uh, you've got a a drafted player in McLean who's coming in and making a big impact, and you've got an international signing in De La Cruz who is electrifying the sport. I mean, it's one of those moments where when you see what he's done the last week, if you have the ability to, to get on a plane and buy a ticket and watch any team in the sport right now, the Reds are like top five, which is awesome. And so I, it's a great baseball town. They love their history there. The crowds obviously have been a bit more sparse the last several years. But I, I also believe that uh, I go back to when, when Joey Votto first came on the scene there and Jay Bruce, and they made a couple playoff runs uh, there about a decade and a half ago now, um, and a decade ago, that, that – that ballpark would fill up with fans who really know and love and appreciate the game. And I, I hope that's starting to happen right now. This is a, it's a special time. And this is, again, where you see with De La Cruz how important he's going to be, not just for now but for the future. So they need to get a little bit more 
in the pitching area. And once they do that, as we're seeing right now, the NL Central is very winnable, and the AL Central, my, my beloved alma mater here in the Midwest, my goodness, we've got zero teams above 500. So the, the, the Central, <laughs> the, the Midwest at the moment is the land of opportunity, both in the AL and NL, and uh, I think there's a path for the Reds to be a very legitimate contender here, if not this year, then certainly next year. Talking to John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. Um, okay, so we're talking about teams that are impressive. How about the Texas Rangers, one of the hottest teams in baseball yes. with 19 games over 500? Marcus Semien uh, playing at MVP level over there as well. Like, are they for real? I mean, we sh- we don't really think too much about the Texas Rangers here in the AL East, but they look a bit scary on the other side of the country here. Yes, they they are for real. They're pitching. I think that's the big story. And, of course, the irony is I'm, I'm speaking with you in the same week in which DeGrom was lost mm-hmm. for the year. And and yet look at how well John Gray has pitched. Look at how well Nate Evaldi has pitched. Dane Dunning has uh, jumped from the bullpen into the rotation and been one of the top starters in the game for the last six weeks. So I really credit where the Texas Rangers are right now. And, and, and Bruce Bochy is the manager. I think that that's a really important element to their preparation and professionalism. Um, Corey Seager was out for a while, then he came back. He's produced. To your point, Semyon has produced. Garcia's been excellent. Jonah Heim's been really good. Uh, Jace, uh, Josh Young over at third base has been excellent. So they've, they've got a lot of great stories. And one of my favorite stories in baseball this weekend, which is Nathaniel Lowe, the Rangers' first baseman, opposing his brother, Josh mm-hmm. Lowe, with the Rays and their, uh, the, the two best records in Major League Baseball. And, and, and what a great story. The Lowe family, their, their father, Lieutenant Commander David Lowe, a Top Gun tactics instructor and wow. fighter pilot and now retired in the u.s navy so uh i had a wonderful conversation with their with their father lieutenant commander Lowe, about just their their journey he was actually drafted david Lowe was by the mariners in the mid 80s but his dream was to become an astronaut so he said no thanks to the mariners i'm going to go to the naval academy and uh then eventually the fork in the road came do you become a top gun instructor or do you become an astronaut he just he chose top gun so he is the, the I had to ask him about the movie and then like if it was if it was real life he said actually our our Top Gun school was was in the deserts of Nevada and not on the beach in San Diego <laughs> it's a little different life there uh, in terms of what it was like uh, uh, off the field as they say but uh, but uh, he great gentleman to speak with and so yes Lieutenant Commander David Lowe and his wife Wendy uh, they're gonna have a weekend for for all time as their sons play against each other in Major League Baseball this weekend okay what a great story to follow what a family <laughs> you get born into the, yeah. the good gene pool with that one uh that's crazy um we'll keep an eye on that as well uh john appreciate you joining us this morning thanks for listening to the show while you're driving too wow we just, we're, yeah. we're international that's, that's the amazing part <laughs> yeah I, I can now you can now get you know whether it's the, it's the, through your, your favorite podcast uh, device or, or on live on the website it's i had an i had about nine hours of driving i said <laughs> i'm going to check in with 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 justin and Ailish, the other doing today it was a great interview with julia and I got the full. I was excited. I, I wanted to. I checked with Daniela this morning. Did they get out in golf? I was. I was thinking about that last night. And so I'm glad to hear that you guys got out there. That's oh, awesome. All right, John, you're the best. Appreciate your Friday morning energy. We'll chat with you next week. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Take care. John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. What a guy. What a just wonderful guy. It's kind of the beauty of, like, if he is actually genuinely interested, which I believe he is. If it's we play Thursdays and we have him on Fridays, he's going to know all about the matches. We get next time he's up here. We got to take him out, at least to the range. Just 
See what he's got. Bring that five iron, John. Yeah. Uh, it's time for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, so one of the biggest sporting events, um, well, there are a couple of big sporting events globally. That this weekend are, and this yeah. week, uh, of course, the French Open going on, the, uh, the Champions League finals also Saturday. But this morning, before we're off the air, we might be getting to the biggest event of the entire weekend. It's maybe even supersedes the French Open finals is Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz today in the semifinal at the French Open. I mean, Djokovic is not at the end of the line, but he's survived Federer and survived Nadal in a way. Nadal hasn't retired, but Nadal may not be able to get to that point again. But Djokovic needs one more. And it seems like Carlos Alcaraz, if anyone can do it, if anyone Mm -hmm. can prevent him from actually getting that last major to put himself ahead of both Nadal and Federer, it's him. This young guy from Spain who is so, so dominant is a major uh, favorite. Not a major, but a considerable favorite over Djokovic in this semifinal. This is a true like young versus old changing of the guard type of moment, perhaps in tennis. And that match starts at 845 today, uh, this morning. So really, really fascinating stuff. Like Djokovic has some pressure. He's still got some runway at only 36. Mm-hmm. But this may be that final or that like finally passing of this the torch, passing even. of the mm-hmm. torch where this this young kid, I think he's only 20. They've only played yep. each other once. Alcaraz beat him on clay last year, mm-hmm. and they meet in a huge, huge spot here. Um, at the French Open semifinal this morning. I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. 8.45, we'll be just getting off the air after that. Tune in. Um, maybe we'll do some picks in the wake and rake for that. Take a look at the lines. Um, but yeah, the uh, old versus the, the young, the passing of the torch. I, I love a good storyline of a young could, a young kid trying to take a, down the throne. Yeah, it could be a seminal moment in tennis today, Ooh, this morning. All right, Justin. A feast for the ages. Sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm just hungry. That, that was you know? my post-match yum, yum, yum. Uh, meal that was a feast for the there ages yesterday. I'm just, you know, yum, yum, yumming it up. Okay. Oof, we got some big heavy hitters on the other side of the break. Brent Gunning and Sam McKee, the golf guys, hosts of the golf show. They were down at Oakdale for round one on Thursday, walking the course, checking it out, probably following, my, uh, following along Corey Connors, who's top of the leaderboard as of last night. Check out the vibes. Is there any live PGA talk? What are the murmurs? I want to know if they're getting along because mm-hmm. they they go to war over live and PGA all the time. And, of course, we've got that big news this week. So the golf show, I mean, definitely a must listen this week. And then we've got Sam McKee's buddy, Kipper, <laughs> at 8 a.m. we got Kipper at 8, and we've got John Calpari at 8.30. And then we'll do a little baby wake and rake to wrap up our Friday. That's all next on the Fan Morning Show. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a little Landis Morissette this morning. We're going to see her live in action at Oakdale on Saturday night. Justin, you think you can stay up that late or what? Uh, I'm kind of hoping like we meet a lot of people that we know and maybe I can just be like, okay, one song, Alanis out. Wow. You I like leave Alanis me alone too. at Alanis Morissette. That's depressing. Alanis is legit. I Yo, like I'm Alanis. I'm fired up it's tonight's day, Black Eyed Peas. If you're going, who'd you rather see? Alanis. That's why I picked Saturday to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, Black Eyed Peas were a part of my high school days, but Alanis, just listen to this. She's she's a legend. 
So we're going to see her live tomorrow night at uh, at Oakdale. Headed what, to... what, what do you think, like, a set for Alanis's yeah, at a golf that. tournament on a Saturday? Is it, like, six, a six to, to eight ten. songs? Six to ten, I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, she's going to she's gonna put on a show, but, I mean, it's not, like, three hours at Scotch Bank Arena. No, you wouldn't think so. I mean, maybe. Well, we should ask Crawdaddy that. More questions for Crawdaddy. God, we got to get Crawdaddy on Monday. Thankfully, we got Recap. two guys on the ground who yeah. can catch up with Crawdaddy at any time. We're working on getting them. Oh, I thought we had him. I'm sorry. Nice try. I loved you had the segue. Good, I thought it was there. You had a good segue. We well, do have Gunners. Let's bring in Gunner bring first. In Gunner. Gunzy, what's up this morning? How are you, buddy? How are we doing? I'm screaming. I'm here. Yeah, Brian Crawford, busy man this week. Good luck tracking him down. Oh, I know, uh, Every right? time I've seen him on the ground, and look, you know, normally handsome man, but he looks weather beaten. Uh, oh. This week is uh, beating the boys up. And it, not, not that anything's gone wrong. It is just such a, uh ordeal they undertake there, so... Good luck sneaking a few minutes of his time, but great guy if you get the uh, chance to okay, catch up. We got we got Sammy on there as well. Sammy, how are you? You guys are two different cell phones. We're really messing yeah. everyone up back here behind the scene. Can you hear us, Sam? We got the party line going here, guys. Uh, I don't know. What I, two straight appearances on the morning show where uh, I pressed the button on the thing that usually works, and the thing didn't work, and that was my only troubleshoot. So exit out, go back in, didn't work. I'm on the phone. All right. So we got to play traffic cop a little bit. I'll start with you, Sam, because we just kind of heard from no, Gunning before, on the topic. Before we get into anything. Okay, go I ahead. Another, oh, here we I go. Another, I got another golf thing. Here we go. I saw you guys played at Brayban yesterday. That's yeah. correct. Great uh, track, which is a great track. Um, probably a little breezy up there yesterday, oh, I would it think. was breezy, man. Um, <laughs> so I, I DM'd Alish. Mm-hmm. I slid in there, and I was like, hey, you know, I would love to play with you guys. Like, it'd be fun. Like, maybe we'd get Gunner involved. And she responded by saying, you're too good. You're too good. Yeah. Who do you think I am? Like, Sam I, I, McKee. Gunner, <laughs> we, I mean, we, we, we do listen to Kipper and Bourne, and you guys are throwing around, oh, you know, Bourne was 75, Kipper, you 76. Pra- you're, you're oh, but Sam beat, Sam beat everyone yes, and it. shot one under. Like, I, I, we can't. Oh, we can't. my God. You guys have a putting green in your pregame, your pre-show meetings. Like, you're putting all day long. You don't even work. This is the last reputation I want. This reputation hurts my feelings that people think I'm above them to play golf. I love playing golf with anybody. I love golf. I even love the peasants, playing eh? with my friends. All the friends. Oh, my God. That is the – I'm sick. I'm okay, sick next week. Next week. Next, next week. next week. The four well, of us. i got to be honest. i got to be honest. Next week, I'm going to Cabot. So I- oh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 you're done. You're done. You're done. No, it's oh, not Okay. No. The peasants no, will stay here. The we'll go wherever we can. You'll go to Cabot, the dreamiest yeah. dream number yeah. one course in the country. Yeah. Rich stay Shut rich. Up. Peasants stay peasants. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, my, maybe, one maybe. One of my best buddies works there, so oh, what else to yeah. do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, hook us up mm-hmm. one time. I, uh, I have... Yeah, I'll get, I'll get right on that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, take a, we'll take a cop, a copter, yeah. a helicopter over there, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you later, bud. <laughs> that's a, is that the term for it? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of copter. <laughs> I almost said, I was trying to say helicopter and a, I don't know, whatever. You're trying okay. to say it, cool. I I'm just, I'm frazzled by your audacity to say, I can't go golfing with you next week. I'm going to Cabot. <laughs> that was all setting up so you could say that you're going to Cabot too, which was just anyway. brilliantly executed. But we would love to go for the two of you. Let's, we'll get okay, back good. on track here. We'll, we'll set a time up when you're not good. gallivanting and gunning in a Sam and Justin and I will we'll have a nice little outing and we won't we won't be pressured by your 
golf prowess. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going. Ba- I'm going back to Gunner because yes. I'm upset okay. with Sam. Uh, <laughs> let's do that. Let's get on track. Just you mentioned Crawdaddy and him maybe aging ten years just over the last yeah. couple of days. Like, is is what happened earlier this week actually negatively affecting the golf tournament? I think that now that the tournament has begun, and honestly, you can go back to Thursday, that it's not. It did affect the lead up to it. I mean, Wednesday, Tuesday is supposed to be, for all intents and purposes, a like, put your feet up day, get everything sorted out. And it was the golf world exploding on them. But everyone's weighed in on that. Everyone that is there has been asked the question you know i'm sure rory will get asked again after his round today but guess what his opinion isn't going to have changed so i think that it's all kind of not that it's all in the rear view now but in terms of just this tournament yeah i think you can just move on to looking at it as the tournament now if rory wins and it's another moment where he gets asked to opine on the state maybe it kind of circles back to that but now that the tournament's begun i honestly do think all that stuff is kind of pretty quickly gone to the side we're talking to the golf guys, Brent Gunning and Sam McKee, host of the golf show. Okay, I'll move this over to Sam, um, and then I'll get Brent's comments. But how are you guys holding up? Because I know you are on different ends of the, uh, yeah, no the spectrum of, of what you like, what you don't like, and how this all <laughs> unfolded. So, Sam, how's your uh, your pulse check well, this week? I would say that uh, the one way you could put it is Brent has morals, and I don't. I think it's the one way you can say it. That's right. Um, listen, I have never been as shocked like, that is a top five most shocking sports news stories mm. of my life. When I saw that trickle across that weird MSNBC story right. come out, I was like, what the hell is this? And then it starts to trickle out. Like, I, I do feel that this is a pretty dark turn of events for golf. Like, you know, I, I can't help but be like, wow, they really did that, eh? And I just, what it keeps coming back to is you have to just be careful and I forget where I saw this, but you just have to be careful when you're defending people in power's moral because you never know what they'll do for money. And it just felt like this ultimately came down to having unlimited money for the PGA Tour and golf, and Jay Monahan saw that. Maybe there's a little bit involved with, you know, them a little afraid to open up their books potentially in a lawsuit. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. But, you know, uh, Jay Monahan was just like, you know what, F it, we're doing this, mm-hmm. and didn't tell anybody, and I – I, I think ultimately, once maybe we kind of, you know, sadly enough, forget about the morals of this and kind of, you know, we do get sports washed, which is terrible, but, you know, eventually stuff like this happens where the initial blowback goes away. Like, I do think that there's a world in which golf maybe turns out to the better, but we just have no idea what this is going to look like, right? Like, I, I just, I don't know what I'm defending or talking about or, you know, it's just, it's a really weird story that we have so little detail into. It's hard to know which side of it you stand on. Yeah. And yeah, I, that was, go ahead, Gunnar. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you the same. Say, that was the, that was the weirdest thing about it was, you know, again, like it all got heaped on Rory's shoulders, but all the players who spoke about this, it was almost two separate conversations. It was the disappointment in the PGA tours actions to cut this deal under the cloak of darkness, not telling anybody. And they were disappointed in that regard. But then the great unknown of what the game is going to be, you know, talking to everybody at the event yesterday, it just seems like the prevailing sentiment is, 
okay, live will go away. And then maybe the PGA tour and the DP world tour kind of continue to do their things, but then live puts out or didn't put out a statement, but has told all their guys, Greg Norman saying, what are you talking about? We're not going anywhere. It's just part of the golf ecosystem and it's all going to get folded in. So the what's coming next, we have no idea. I'd love to tell you it's going to be great, but I don't, I don't think we can because we don't know. And then just going back to the whole sports washing, like, honestly, it's sad. Rory looked dejected answering those questions. I felt for him. And, you know, guess what? If we're sports fans, like, we won't all be able to hide from this forever. You know, the we just had the Qatar World Cup. Why wouldn't the Saudis try to buy the next one? The Olympics are always looking for host cities. They can never find one. Why wouldn't that be the very next thing? So I'm not I, – I hate it. I've hated it from the jump, but – now there is no other side. It's just evil or no golf. So, oh, evil, I guess. <laughs> do, you, do, do you still have the same amount of pride, Gunner, for, like, resigned Rory? Not, like, you know, the, the Rory that was fighting back and digging his heels in. Like, it, it seemed like a guy who was broken a little bit by this and, you know, resigned to the fact that this is just the reality. Are you, did you lose any feeling for him in that? Or are you kind of sympathizing with him throughout it all? No, I just, I felt for him. I mean, the only stand that's left to take is to snap all 14 of his clubs over his knee at the press conference saying, I'm never going to play professional golf again because it's funded by dirty money. There is no, there is no more stand to take. So I just feel awful for him. Like, again, I would love to say he's going to continue to be golf's white knight and go along and be the guy that, that can save the game and make it a clean sport or whatever you want to say. But that's done. It's over. There is no other side. So, yeah, I think you just you got to feel sad for him, honestly. I'm sure McKee will feel slightly differently, but that, that's where I land. But he's uh, just worried about golf and Cabot. He doesn't care. No, no I, feelings. I, do, <laughs> I, do, I do feel for Rory, honestly. Like, I, I say what you will about him, and I was hard on him for just, you know, how outspoken and, you know, just wouldn't shut up about it every chance he got. But, like, if you're a diehard PGA Tour defender, like a lot of people were, like, that's, you know, that unifies you. And he was, like, a unifying light for a lot of people within the golf industry, mm-hmm. a lot of media, a lot of, you know, fans himself. And just to have what happened happen, like, I just, it's so dejecting for everybody. Like, I, I do, like, you know, I do feel a little bit of – you know, not necessarily sorry for him, but I do understand why he would be beaten down. Like, people were getting on him for that press conference that he had where he's just like, yeah, you know, well, it is what it is. Like, I, I guess, like Gutter said, the only thing for him to do is quit. Like, I don't know what his next step is. Where he plays golf is now funded by the thing that he fought so hard against. Like, it's really, really tough spot for Rory. And I don't, I don't envy him. Well, I, I do envy him because he's really good at golf and he's super rich. Mm. But I don't envy him being in the spot that he's in uh, with that. Yeah, I was just a little surprised that there were reports that he was adversarial with other players and suddenly on, like, he's always been on Jay Monahan's side, but sticking by Jay Monahan was a bit interesting to me. But I guess, like, you got to try and be on the right side of history, not that it's the right side of history from a moral standpoint, but it's the right side of golf history in that it's inevitable where golf is going. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump in on that. The Monahan thing is, is interesting. I was, uh, to be perfectly honest, I think that it's a guy who is probably shell-shocked by the news. And if you, had, if you ask him a pointed question about Jay Monaghan, I don't know, maybe he doesn't want the public bite. But I'd be curious if maybe you got a slightly different answer uh, a couple of days later. If I'm trying to remember back to the very beginning of Live, 
he was anti-live, anti-live, but it wasn't until he got poked and prodded and asked the question a lot of times, if I recall correctly, that he really started going at Norman. So I do think with Rory, there's a little bit of the hesitancy to immediately make it personal, but I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen him been more publicly critical and quite honestly calling for Monaghan's head because he's the most powerful voice in the game. And that is the guy who they should be the most upset at. I mean, like Rory said, everything he said about the Saudis, but they're doing what they've been doing the whole time. It was Monaghan who had the complete, you know, turnaround in the, in the cloak of darkness. Like I said, we got Brent Gunning and Sam McKee, the golf guys, hosts of the golf show on with us. So both of you are down at Oakville for round one on Thursday. Don't know your plans uh, for the rest of the weekend, but um, nonetheless, you got to see, uh, hopefully, Corey Connors and his trip around uh, the track. First, uh, top of the leaderboard and a Canadian, and that's kind of what we wanted, the vibes, the crowd. How was everything down there um, while you followed Corey and the other Canadians on a pretty good start to the tournament? Uh, it was pretty good. I... I would say that the uh, the weather was not June-like would be my only complaint. Oh, you were uh, cold, too. I dressed for a uh, June event, and I got more felt like maybe a little October <laughs> weather. So I was a little cold. My legs were a little shorter shorts maybe I should have. My legs were a little cold by the end of the day. But uh, I would say that it's pretty cool to have Corey Connors near the top of the leaderboard here. Max Hughes is minus three. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the Canadians played pretty well. I I think... It's been, what was what's the year, Gunner, 1954? 54, Pat Fletcher, yeah. 64 or 54? 54, Pat Fletcher. Okay. So it's, you know, it's got to happen eventually here. And Canadian golf has never been in a better place with the amount of good players they have on the, Canadian, on the, on the men's tour and the women's tour. Like, the Canadian golf is in such a great place. Like, I do get the feeling that this could be a special weekend with all the guys that are kind of floating around it, the sort of lack of super studs at the top of the leaderboard like years past at the Canadian Open. So, I, uh, you know, the fans were greased up, saw lots of good Canadian stuff out, out there. Like, people were really excited. So, I'm hoping that we get a fun weekend for a Canadian here because uh, it would be really, really fun to have that. Do you guys think it actually weighs on the Canadian players, the, the fact that it's been since 1954? Like, I, I look at Corey Connors, I'm like, well, you can't be choosy. You've won twice on tour at the same place. Like, yeah, it would be nice if you won in Canada, but just winning is the priority, right? When it's like, you know, this is a handful of golfers. Yeah, it's in a good spot, but it's not like we're, you know, taking home titles left and right here. It just seems like, yeah, it would be almost serendipitous rather than something expected at this point. And I guess that's why it's been since 1954. I think all those guys view it like I totally understand what you're saying. And yes, they would love to win any tournament and they would feel probably pretty good about it, regardless of which one they won. But I think with a guy like Connors, he's just very stoic in nature. You know, he was getting asked all these live questions. And actually, I asked both him and Hughes about playing on the President's Cup team. And Mackenzie Hughes gave this a you know provocative answer about I give up my title to be on that team because representing Canada means so much to me and that just I would imagine carries over for the Canadian Open and Connors got asked the exact same question and said yep uh, done it before it was great would like to do it again like it is just you're not going to get that didn't, outward didn't go so great him. for him though no it didn't uh, maybe that's why he answered it that way but yeah so I, <laughs> I think I think all of them are a little different but it would feel like it's not just them paying lip service to it I truly do feel like it would feel like a major for all of those guys. And obviously that's easy to say what none of them have a major outside of, uh, outside of Mike Weir. But I, I really do think it would mean that much. I don't think that's just paying lip service to it. And then just another quick Canadian moment, Mike Weir, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He's out there this morning. Last year, he was battling to make the cut. Mm-hmm. It was like a, 
very low-key, cool Canadian moment of a big gallery following him around. So uh, if you're on the uh, rainy grounds this morning, uh, maybe go find Weirzy and see how he's doing. Uh, that was always a fun one to check out. we got too many studs that somehow our Masters winner uh, falls by the wayside occasionally here. So just a lot of great storylines. Uh, but, yeah, it feels like, I mean, Pendrith right in the mix as well. He was on that President's Cup team too. So Connors has the lead. He's probably, you know, got the best shot. But there are so many Canadians in the mix. Uh, so you guys were there yesterday. You're there all day again today, and I'm sure you'll be doing it again over the weekend. Um, is Thursday the best day to go? Like, not that it was, like, lightly attended yesterday, but I think it's going to be pretty wild over the weekend. Could you guys, were you free to do and follow exactly who you wanted to yesterday well, without any real crowd? Well, or is it just uh, Go ahead, McKee. Go ahead, Sammy. There we go. Here comes more. <laughs> I mean, I do oh, have he a, had inside, a VIP I, pass. I, I have the Inside the Ropes pass. Oh, here we go. Uh, as here a media go, member, Cabot. so... We, we I, both can, I, I uh, yeah, we were literally like walking in Rory's back pocket for the oh, entire day. So of course, yeah. I don't really hang out amongst the great unwashed, you know. I'm more <laughs> okay. of inside the ropes. But yeah, no, it's uh, yesterday was pretty lightly attended. I would say, like in terms of you know, you could get up to the front of the rope in non-Rory groups pretty much anywhere, but it will not be like that on the weekend. It's it's pretty nuts on the weekend. But the Rory yeah, what I, yesterday is it was an army of people following him. It was massive. Yeah, what I would say is if you want the feels of you're at a big, crazy sporting event, go on the weekend. It's going to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Guys are going to be making shots. It's going to be awesome roars. It is real. I, I was not a big J journalist at Hamilton in 2019. I was fighting with all the people, and that was awesome. If that's what you want to do, that's an incredible day. But if you're just like someone who wants to go just watch golf and really enjoy seeing quality golf shots and get to follow good players – yeah, definitely the Thursday and Friday is uh, is your better bet there uh, for for sure. But it's just like a completely different feel. It's like the idea of like uh, seeing a band at Scotiabank and then seeing them at Lee's Palace. Like very very mm. different. Yeah, Justin and I go- Yeah, Justin and I are going tomorrow, so we'll get uh, we'll get some of the fun, the chaos, the concert. Uh, we're excited for that. Uh, one thing we're going to do is hole zero. Any scouting report on hole zero, the playable hole? Uh, should we be, you know, lumbering up today for it, or should we have a competition? Was, uh, if I saw correctly, 150 yards. Yes, uh, so whatever, whatever that is for you, uh, you just mentally uh, prepare for that. And you know, I I don't have any specific insight on on hole zero, but my golf mental coach, uh, Doctor Charles Fitzsimmons, would tell me to tell you to just have a plan in there and execute it and don't deviate from it. So no specific scouting report, but find a 150-yard club and hit it well. That's all I got for you. Sammy, anything? I don't don't even want to ask Sam what his 150 club is. What, a pitching wedge? Well, it depends on wind and hills, and, <laughs> but probably, probably, probably a nine iron, nine iron or pitching wedge, depending. Yeah. But um, just get an athletic stance, guys. Athletic stance. Feel like uh, feel like you're gonna make a great shot. Execute. Hit it onto the green. That's okay. What you need to do. Spoken like a couple golf bros. Uh, appreciate you <laughs> taking the time for talking to us, peasants. Sam McKee, have an enjoyable trip to Cabot. I think will. of us, uh, and we'll hopefully chat. We'll, we'll get a tea and time. Keep grinding the, out there, Gunning. Yeah, well, yeah. Thanks, Gunning. I know you're the grinder. The, you're the down to earth, um, relatable, humble man. We'll have yeah, you guys I'll, on. I'll be taking my kid to the range next oh, week. Yes. Well, McKee's at the number one course in the country. No problem, exactly boys. The same, no difference. Okay. Uh, well, we'll ha- we'll go out. Soon. Soon, okay, we'll make that happen, all right. right? Yes, love good. it. Thank all you. right, Bye, thanks, guys. <laughs> That's Gunning and Sam McKee, the golf guys, host of the golf show. Uh, they'll be down at Oakdale again. And Sam made us all feel like 
peasants. He didn't say yeah. who he was going with, but what a move for like show camaraderie if he was just like, hey, Kipper and Kipper, Borny. You want to go to Got a couple passes Cabot. for Cabot, buddy that works there. You <sighs> what in? a life. What a and life. I'm sure they'd be in. I think they'd be doing the, they'd be like, vacate time. The show will do itself. Kipper would we'll, get the copter going. The copter. It's new. It's trending. Okay, well, I can't provide you as much as Sam McKee and Brent Gunning got yesterday, maybe behind the ropes access, but we got a little nice passes. So we'll, we'll try to provide as much insight as they did. Um, okay, Blue Jays tickets giveaway. We've been doing that all week long, and we're going to continue today. Excited to celebrate Pride Month at the fourth annual Pride Weekend presented by TD. We've been giving away tickets on the Fan Morning Show. Today's your final chance to win. To enter, all you have to do is listen for our daily code word, text it to 59590, and today's code word is community. Text community to 59590 right now for your chance to win tickets to tonight's game against the Minnesota Twins. It'll feature a rainbow flag jersey giveaway, pregame festivities, community initiatives, and more. That's for tonight's game against the Minnesota Twins. The code word is community. Pride weekend kicks off tonight. Presented by TD. It'll be a wonderful time at the ballpark. I uh, hope you get a chance to head down there if you don't win the tickets with us. A couple games, three games here. Kikuchi on the mound today. TBD on the mound on Saturday and Kevin Gosman to wrap it up on Sunday. The rare one word code word. So get community into 595.90. Last chance to win this week for today's big game. Okay, we got some of Real Kipper and Born with Sammy, but we got the Real Kipper. Nick Kiprios joins us on the other side of the break to talk about uh, maybe some news breaking things that he does nowadays. He did it last week and he go two for two. Kipper on the other side.